Welcome to Today's Issues, offering a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Tim Wildman, President of the American Family Association. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to today's issues here on American Family Radio on this Thursday, May the 20th. We thank you for listening to AFR. Tim Wildman here with Ed Battagliano. That's your cue, Ed. Oh, hey, good morning. Well, sometimes you say good morning, Ed, and I I was waiting for that. I, I, I wait for that. Right. Tim. Good morning, Ed. Yes. Oh, thank you. Good morning, Tim. Fred Jackson. Yes. My feelings aren't as light as Ed. How you doing, Fred? I'm doing great, Tim. All right. Ray Pritchard, how you doing, I don't Ray? need soft touches. I'm a snowflake, total snowflake. We're doing good here in Kansas City. It's all good, Tim. Well, um, Ed, yeah. um, anything you want to share? Or About your teddy bears? Yeah. Oh, man. Hey, it's brutal. Hey, listen. You know what? I'm going back to my Boston roots. <laughs> Y'all can take a long walk <laughs> off a short pier. And I hope you can I hope you can't swim. How's that? Is that what you want? Is that what you want for me? Now, Got it. You were telling me that the Boston Bruins, the National Hockey League team that you uh I, love. I watch every once in a while. Yeah, I know. Yeah. No, you buy the you buy the ticket to watch them. That's uh, so they had they've had three overtime games. Yeah, they're they're opening rounds uh, series playoff series against the Washington Capitals. Yeah, three games all t- went into overtime, and right. I, I I was just telling someone a couple of guys around here follow hockey, uh, and I said, man, I, I can't take this, you know, <laughs> sudden death overtime. Phrase your emotions. Yes, right? my wife, she bless her heart, she <laughs> she was in bed. She said I was half a, just about asleep. And I heard you yelling in, in the living room. She said, I didn't know whether they won or they lost. How long did it go last night? Well, it went to second overtime. Oh, it did. Yeah. I went to bed. I'm sorry. Yeah, you, you get into now, work here hockey, much earlier. A hockey um, game typically lasts, what, two hours? Two and a half hours, roughly. Uh, uh, you know, for, it's, fo- uh, it's football on ice for two and a half hours, yeah. basically. It, it's uh, no, no – uh, it's it's a man's man. Yeah, there's no sport. no snowflakes Foot, in that football sport. on ice with sticks. Oh, yes, <laughs> with sticks right. and fight and uh, and fighting aloud. Yes, right. Okay, so now what I'm saying is, uh, these the, these must be some of the top athletes in the world because you're they talking are. about you're talking about going end to end on ice for two and a half hours and then oh yeah, let's play some extra. That's right. For, That's right. For, for, for playoffs. Three. For three games in a row. So, you know, well, my team's up two games yeah, to one, yeah. so I'm hoping good for hurt. Good for Ed's yeah. team. I, I felt sorry for Charo. Charo, yeah. Captain for Boston for how yes, long? Yes, for 16 years. He got traded. To this the, team. To the, to the Capitals. Other team. To, to the, the Capitals. Capitals. 16 years playing for one for team, Boston. the Boston Bruins, the captain, and then but he's gets traded. He's 44 years old, and what the Bruins told him was, uh, we got young players, we want to develop them. And so Chara said, well, I'm not done playing. And so he was a free agent and went and signed with the Capitals, and now he's facing his old team. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's uh There ought to be some kind of, of a trophy for a 44-year-old hockey player. This it's guy's in good incredible shape. Good night, yeah. huh? Yeah. Kind of like wow. me. Wow. 
Just one more thing. I was talking about the story meeting. It was exciting because I watched the Carolinas game also last night. The arena was full of people. Yeah, sports full are, uh, of people. Sports are getting back to full arenas. Yeah. It's great. Uh, and America's getting back to Normal. our old self again, right? Not uh, Boston. Huh? The Boston Bruins, 25% capacity. So they're, they're, yeah. they're going to be like New York and uh, California. Blue the, state. They'll be a, behind deep, the curve on that. Deep blue state. Yeah. All right, you're listening to today's issues. Uh, Ray, you don't follow hockey, right? I, I'm I'm vaguely aware of it. <laughs> gotcha. They don't have a professional hockey team in Kansas City, though. I, not that I, no. we got Patrick Mahomes. What do we need with <laughs> right, 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 exactly. Okay, uh, a lot to talk about today. We thank you for joining us. If you want to join us on what Ed calls that there internet, you just go to Facebook or YouTube. You search for today's issues, and you can watch us live stream the show there. We post the stories that we talk about. We're not going to post the. Any, it, link to the, we're not going to post a story to the uh, to the Boston Bruins uh, overtime victories, but the uh, news stories that we talk about, we do post the original sources there on our Facebook page. All right, Fred, what's leading the news this morning? You may remember yesterday we reported that uh, early yesterday morning, President Biden had a phone call with Prime Minister Netanyahu. And if you believe the press reports... President Biden kind of read the riot act to Prime Minister Netanyahu. President Biden apparently, in a quote, said, I expect a significant de-escalation of your battle with Hamas terrorists by day's end. Did well, he say by day's end? Oh, yeah. He said, yeah, I, by day's end. Uh, that didn't happen. Prime Minister Netanyahu says, we're going to fight this war the way Israel knows how to fight this war as of this morning. The battle continues. Do you know now, Hamas terrorists have launched over 4,000 missiles into Israel. Is there any reason why Israel says, we are going to defend ourselves against this, and we're going to make a significant impact to make sure this doesn't happen again, at least for a long time? Imagine this. Imagine rockets are being uh, levied at a major American city. Uh, let's say Washington, D.C. or New York City. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are, we, our, our, our military is fighting back. They're trying to defend its citizens. And Benjamin Netanyahu from Israel gets on the phone and calls us, calls President Biden and says, you know, you need to chill, man. You need to calm down over there. You need to cease fire. Uh, wh- you see, reverse, <laughs> you see, See how illogical that is? How that, the, the, the terms of a uh, ceasefire, if that's what you want to call it, or a stand-down uh, should be based on what's happening on the ground, okay? Not just uh, ar- arbitrarily uh, saying we, uh, you must have a ceasefire, as if, as if Biden's the dictator of Israel, and it dictates Israel's policy. Now, they're our strongest ally in the Middle East, which also then begs the question, why are you telling them how to defend themselves against rockets being fired at them from Hamas? Ed, what's going on here? Well, listen, the, the uh, I don't think anybody blames Israel if they uh, have one bit of care about 
the how the real world works. The real world works. That's not as easy to say. To your point, if Mexico was launching rockets into El Paso <laughs> and San Diego, we'd we deal with it. Mm -hmm. And the the fact of the matter is, there's no sense in Israel having a ceasefire with Hamas because Hamas lives, exists to see Israel obliterated. So what are, what are you going to say? What are you going to say in the ceasefire? Okay, you, you, you just until next time. So what Israel's saying is, these people want us gone. We are going to finish this so that they can't do this again for four or five years. And then if they try it again in four or five years, we'll deal with it then. But there's no sense in having a ceasefire because all Hamas is going to do is build or uh, smuggle in more rockets, and we'll be dealing with this in two months. So Joe Biden, no. Yeah. Uh, Ray? Look, if, if Joe Biden wants to get on the phone, let him call the head man in Iran because it's the Iranians who are behind this whole thing anyway. There's no way Hamas would dare to launch 4,000 missiles against Israel unless their uh, puppet masters back in Tehran were giving them the okay. So let's have a readout of President Biden calling the Iranians yes. and saying, I'm expecting you to stand down by tonight. Because if the Iranians stopped, Hamas would stop and you would genuinely have a ceasefire. Until then, no, no, we've got nothing. It's, it's war until then. Yeah. Why is the burden always on the good guys? <laughs> right. I mean, what? This, it's the, 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 the world's turned upside down. It's the same way here. It's the burden's on the police. Uh, huh? Right. It's always on the police. Mm -hmm. uh, never on the guy who tried to shoot the policeman mm -hmm. or run over the policeman or whatever. It's always, oh, no, you, you have to. You have to justify your actions to uh, to uh, to us. In fact, you need to. We need to defund the police. Mm -hmm. We need to defund Israel. Now, yeah. that's what uh, the squad is saying. We need yes. to defund Israel. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I just uh, I, that's a very good point, Ray. Uh, why didn't Biden make an announcement that he's uh, been on the phone with Hamas yeah. or with yeah. right. their puppet master uh, in Tehran? Why, why is it I've been on the phone with Benjamin Nahu telling him to stop it? Yeah, and, and I wish uh, President Biden would send a note to the Hamas terrorists saying, I find it absolutely disgusting, Hamas terrorist leaders, that you launch your missiles missiles from people's houses. That's what yeah, they do. Yeah. They're launching yeah, why didn't Biden talk about that? Yeah, not a word. What not you, a word. What? This is why there are civilian deaths, in, and we got to keep reminding people, in Gaza, because these Hamas terrorists don't care about their women, don't care about their children. No. They set up their missile launchers right next door to a house or inside a house window. The Israelis, we've got to keep reminding people of this, will send messages an hour in advance. You heard the AP uh, mm -hmm. office story. They said the Israelis sent a message an hour ahead of time saying, in an hour, we're going to bomb that building. You better clear out. Right. Who yeah. else does that? Who else yeah. does that? Yes, and I think to your point, Ed, uh, it's sort of like Israel saying we didn't start this. Uh, this started because Hamas started firing weapons uh, into or missiles into uh, yes. Israel from Gaza. Um, but while we're Israel's probably thinking while we're at it, we might as well, as you say, 
squash this so that we don't have to deal with this at least for a long time. Right. Uh, while you know, while we're while we're going to blow this. up your tunnels, we're going to knock out your infrastructure, your offices, the buildings where you're building the rockets. Mm-hmm. So you're at least going to have to rebuild all that. Listen, the the big the big picture here is this: Israel is a Jewish state. All right, and it exists, and it has a right to exist. And Hamas, who doesn't. Hamas does fundamentally doesn't agree, uh, doesn't acknowledge that Israel has a right to exist as a Jewish state. Right. So that is, uh, you, you can't, you can't put those together. All right. You can't build a bridge right there with Hamas on this because they, they, it's, it's a fundamental, uh, it's a fundamental separation, uh, I guess you want to say. So, <clears throat> anyway, the, as long as you have an, or, an organization like Hamas who says we want to drive the Jews into the sea, um, you're not going to be able to have a, a, a long-lasting peace without right. – and Israel recognizes this, that the only peace that they will have is if they uh, punish Hamas into submission. Yeah. One more – no. or, or into oblivion. Yeah, if, yeah. They, if they launch rockets. Yeah, they they, right. they 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 weren't going to destroy Hamas. No, no. Uh, they they were allowed. Just unprovoked. They're allowed, they're allowed to run Gaza, yeah. the Gaza Strip. Yeah. But it was when Hamas attacked Israel. Yeah. So you yeah. don't attack Israel, you get to exist. Yeah. One more note on this: during the four years that Donald Trump was president of the United States, this stuff didn't happen. I believe I'm not the first to say this, but some analysts believe. Uh, these terrorists know that there is weakness in Washington, and they felt comfortable. There is weakness doing. in Washington. Uh, Biden vacillates. Right. Uh, Biden's trying to play the. He's trying to split the difference here. He's trying to go have some kind of moral equivalency between Hamas and and Israel. Well, last week he said Israel has a right to defend them, to defend themselves. Now he's saying they need to stop it. Now, yeah, ceasefire. By the well, end of the day, that's because. Tlaib got hold of him yeah, on the, on the tarmac. tarmac in Detroit, Detroit and told him what he was going to do, talking about Biden. And there's uh, some there's some speculation that Congresswoman Chuck, Chuck, Chuck Schumer, the senator from New York, has been quiet on this issue. He's Jewish. You'd think he'd come out in favor of Israel defending itself, but he's been relatively quiet, and some say it's because <clears throat> there is a threat out there that AOC might primary him. Might run against him for the U.S. Senate. So, uh, right? Why do why do liberal Jews vote for Democrats when when Democrats a lot of them are against Israel? And when they do that, they're actually voting against what they say is their own self-interest. Because if you're if you're a liberal Jew, it really doesn't matter. The liberal part doesn't matter. If you're Jewish, it would seem to him like you ought to support the state of Israel. Now, I, I get it that Schumer doesn't care for Netanyahu and doesn't con- care for the conservative side of things. I was thinking about this discussion we've just had. You know, there's a difference between peace and the end of hostility. I don't I don't know how to get a lasting Middle East peace when Hamas is dedicated to the destruction of Israel, but you could have an end of hostilities in the next 24 hours. Just stop 
firing those missiles into Israel, and you will have a ceasefire overnight. That really is the solution. That's not peace, but at least it's an end to the current crisis and conflict. That's possible, but as long as the missiles are flying, Israel is going to have to defend themselves, and we're going to stand with them. All right, uh, next story. What is we're two? going to talk to Jim Markell, too, about this yes. at the bottom of the hour. What, what is two plus two? Two plus two. I think, frankly, I think it's a racist question. Well, two it's and a, how two. How dare you even uh, ask? <laughs> Spoiler. Two, uh, two, two, and, two, two, two is mm. overtime. I <laughs> like that. Let's talk yeah. about that. Yeah. Let's talk we about that. Could yeah. be five. Could be uh, two, why, why do you ask such a basic question? I ask such a basic question because there are certain education officials in California and Oregon, they've lost it. They've lost it. They are now saying that math, as it's been taught for hundreds of years, thousands, is racist. Is racist. Let me Math re- is racist? Yes. Let me read you from a ma- manual that's apparently going out to teachers. In what state? Uh, it's both California and Oregon, but, but let me read well, I'm it. I'm surprised. <laughs> this <laughs> manual is, claims that teachers addressing students' mistakes forthrightly is a form of white supremacy. Now, this is a manual. So, so you mean a, a mistake. So if some student says two plus two equals five, yes. if the teacher corrects them. That is a form of white supremacy. I well, what, if you're, what if everybody's white? <laughs> or everybody's black? Stu- what is, yeah. Well, then, the then is it student. still racist to correct a student? Uh, well, let's, let's find out from, yeah, the, it from sets, the manual. It sets forth indicators of white supremacy culture in the mathematics classroom, including a focus on getting the right answer, teaching math in a linear fashion, requiring students to show their work and grading them on demonstrated knowledge of the subject matter, the concept of mathematics being purely objective is unequivocally false, the manual explains. Upholding the idea that there are always right and wrong answers perpetuates objectivity. And apparently, Wall Street Journal says that's also racist. This was from a Wall Street Journal article? Yes. That's insanity. I mean, that is, Ray, that's that's literally <laughs> insane to say that math is objective Okay, which it is. Right. Nothing subjective about math. But right. to claim that, what a, you know, this is, let me just say something spiritual and then I'll throw it at the preacher. Okay. Is this, is this is demonic. All right. This is beyond political because it is teaching black and other minority students that getting the right answers is acting white. And you, you are crippling minority students when they go into the real world you are crippling them and that is just a lie from the pit to tell to tell black students for example that if you're getting math questions correct and you believe it's objective that you're getting a a, 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 a an answer correct and a math problem that you're acting white you you are preventing them from succeeding it's a dangerous thing isn't it Ed? because really what you're saying is, and at the end of the quote, 
that, that Fred gave us, we, we were getting down to the bottom of it. These people don't care about math one way or the other. Geography, history, doesn't matter. They're attacking the concept of objective truth. Yeah. That ultimately, truth is determined by my standpoint, my lived experience, who I am. So the facts of history, the facts of geography, and certainly the facts of mathematics, uh, they just don't matter. Ultimately, Ed, it's an attack. Yeah, it is demonic. It absolutely is. It's, it's an attack on reality itself yeah. so that really, how are kids going to survive in the world if they don't understand history, geography, mathematics? How are they yeah. going to survive? Well, and, and to your point, Dr. Carol Swain is a brilliant, brilliant African-American woman, former professor at Vanderbilt University, who basically was driven out of there because of her conservative points of view. Right. Uh, she was asked about this uh, so-called racist math, and she says, you know what? It's really about critical race theory, and it is bad for kids. Cut to. Well, I can tell you the goal of the program is to push critical race theory under the guise of mathematics. And if you look at that Oakland school district, the students have a 27% proficiency rate in math. It's 90% minority. What will happen if this is implemented, that proficiency rate will drop even lower. It will destroy opportunities for minority students. It's not about uh, being equitable. It's about destroying equal opportunity. These children will not have an opportunity to be successful in life if they cannot be taught math, traditional math. How are students who are taught this, how are they going to get into med school? Well, they how, won't. How well, are they going to become right, engineers? Well, how, how, how are they going to succeed in life? Well, I didn't know that what uh, Dr. Swain was saying about that district in Oakland. 27% proficiency in math. You know what it sounds like to me is that there are lousy teachers in that school district, and they're going to now use critical race theory as a way to cover up their own sorry skills by saying the right answer doesn't matter anyway. Talking about the right answer is white supremacy. Therefore, we are vindicated in the fact that we cannot actually teach these students. The very concept of 27% is racist, Ed. Don't yes, you understand? I, yeah, that's right. This is where we're going. Yep. Yeah. What, is, what is this going to do for minority students? Where are they going to get a job? Well, let me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me counter your question where you said how they're going to get into med school. What if we get to the place where that thinking from that school district infects medical schools when they take candidates and then tell the candidates, you know what, math and science don't matter. Those are racist ideas. We're going to pass you. We could literally have doctors who don't know how to diagnose an illness or prescribe a solution to your medical problem because they were taught right answers don't matter. Well, if right answers don't matter, ain't no point in going to class. Well, which bingo. Which... Uh, I know I, right. I, I know I misused It's the end of education, right? I know I misused English language right there. <laughs> but there ain't no sunshine when There's no gone. such thing as misusing. That works. <laughs> there are no rules. <laughs> there, are, there are no rules. <laughs> huh? But that, no, that's a, that's an excellent point. Why go to I school? I just declare myself a medical doctor. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Set but, up. 
But you know what? If you were to make that suggestion at the Oakland School District, you'd be driven out because those teachers still want to get paid. Listen. So they got to have school. Listen, that's why California lost people to other states last census. People, I'm just saying, well, that's one of the reasons. This, this, uh, quote, progressive, humanistic, uh, wackadoodle (laughs) thinking is just doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't make it in the real world. Right. Okay. It doesn't make it in the real world. And uh, what what school districts are that in Cal in, in Oakland, Oakland, California. Oakland, and in Oregon, Oregon. I don't even think black people live in Oregon, uh, or, or Hispanics <laughs> either. One. I don't know. Huh? We'll be back in a minute. We got nothing but Italians on the show. We're changing lives one question at a time. <laughs> Trivia Friday is educational programming. What big cat can't roar? That's pathetic. The mime cat. I've seen them. They got those white gloves on their paws. You use milk to sweeten your breath. In the first yes. century. What happened when the milk soured? You got trouble. Yeah, right that's there. a good. Uh, See, you don't get a second date. I'll just tell you that right now. Trivia Friday, 10 a.m. Central on American Family Radio. What would it be like if every person knew that they were created in the image of God? After two years in the making, American Family Studios proudly presents In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. There are only two sexes, male or female. If you're conceived with a Y chromosome, you will develop into a male. In His Image is a documentary featuring life-changing testimonies of former LGBT individuals. In my most formative years of development of sexuality, I went through a brutal time of uh, sexual distortion, molestation. Visit InHisImage.movie to watch In His Image. Well, everybody, welcome to this unboxing video as we unrocked my hormone blockers. In His Image from American Family Studios is available now for free viewing. Visit inhisimage.movie. You're made in the image of God. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. No matter your career goals, you want to find a university that provides excellent academics and state-of-the-art facilities at a price you can afford. At Liberty University, they believe a quality Christian education should be available to everyone. That's why they've frozen their tuition rates through the 2021-2022 academic year and offer multiple scholarships, like the Middle America Scholarship, to bring that price point even lower. Learn more by texting STARNS to the number 49596. Los Angeles police are investigating a possible hate crime against the Jewish community. A violent mob of pro-Hamas supporters attacked Jewish diners at a sushi restaurant. It happened just west of downtown, and we have the video on my website. Eyewitnesses say a group of Palestinians, about 30 in all, jumped out of a car and asked who was Jewish. Those who responded in the affirmative were beaten. It looked like a scene out of Iran or Gaza, chilling. In another incident, motorists drove by hurling profane messages at Jewish residents. Mayor Eric Garcetti condemned the attacks, said there is no place for anti-Semitism in Los Angeles, and said he would never tolerate bigotry or violence. And yet that's exactly what the Democrat Party has done, tolerate bigotry and violence, especially against Christians and Jews. And that's why it's imperative that we take a public stand against the hate. I'm Todd Stearns. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. 
Psalm 41. American Family Radio. This is today's issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of today's issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of today's issues. Fred, can we, and Brent, can we post a story we did on our Facebook page? People can read it from themselves. There are some places in California and Oregon that are trying to um, do away with mathematics. Basically, that's what they're trying to do in in school because it's racist to suggest there is a right and a wrong answer to mathematic problems. I mean, and we're not we're not making this up. No. Now this isn't all over the country. Says a couple is it's a couple places in California and Oregon, but this kind of stuff spreads. And uh, I just would like to know, where were these people when I was taking college algebra? <laughs> Thank you. Huh? Thank you. That's, that's right. I could have used them. Yeah. Don't um, worry about it, Tim Wildman. Right. There's no right There's or wrong answer. There's no right answer. or wrong answer. You get to pass. Yeah. Or you get an A, because why should we oppress you with a, a lower grade? That's no. right. No, no, I had to find out what X, Y was. Huh? <laughs> All right. Uh, so we want to welcome to our program Jan Markell. Jan has heard weekends here on American Family Radio with her program Understanding the Times. She is uh, president and founder of Olive Tree Ministries, and uh, she joins us now. Good morning, Jan. Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for having me. You feeling better? Oh, yeah. Okay. I know you were a little under the weather there for a, a while. Um, well, we got spring now, so spring cures a lot of things. <laughs> I hear you. Spring. Yeah. So what's the, what's, the, what's the weather today like in, in beautiful uh, Minnesota? <clears throat> well, it is beautiful. Um, perfect 70 degrees. Uh, you know, unfortunately, part of our landscape no longer exists. That's the downside. Uh, to Minneapolis, um, and that is a result of the incident that happened uh, exactly one year ago when five miles of Minneapolis was burned to the ground. It was a very, very tragic day, a very you know, tragic time last summer. People don't realize that. I didn't, I didn't even, to you, unless you told me, I wouldn't have realized. You, you see shots on TV of some buildings yep. burning and some things destroyed, but until you tell me five miles yeah. of Minneapolis was destroyed, um, I think we may be worst case scenario yeah. in Portland. Uh, yeah, New York had it bad too. Yes, in New York, several I mean, blocks. Uh, big. You, you well gotta known. see it to believe it. I mean, yeah. you you really do. So it's it's still, they're not rebuilding. No, they're really not, and and there are complications, and the the uh, the owners yeah. aren't able to get the financial assistance to rebuild, and you know what what's behind that? I couldn't tell you if that's a government issue. But a lot of the businesses were even minority-owned, uh, black and brown people heavily who had, not exclusively, but, but heavily, who had wonderfully successful small businesses in this particular community, which I could name, but most of your listeners wouldn't know it. But the point is, the complications to get things 
rebuilt again is just too overwhelming for them. Jan, the other day I was reading a story, uh, uh, I didn't see the interview itself, but it was a former Israeli ambassador to the United States. And he was saying that uh, the strongest supporters of Israel in America are evangelical Christians, not Jews, not American Jews, or or more so than American Jews. And I I thought, that's interesting. I want to get Jan's thoughts on that. Why do you think that is? You think that's true, number one? And secondly, why do you think that is? Yeah, it is true. Um, And I think it can be summed up probably in a sentence. Um, American evangelicals take the Bible literally. American Jews, by and large, unless they're Orthodox, that's a whole other category because the Orthodox Jews are very Bible-based and focused. But your average American Jew who is, well, let's just say of Reform or even conservative, does not does not regard the Bible the way the evangelical does. So it all comes down to the Bible. And what does the Bible say? Well, the Bible says um, uh, that, that the land of Israel is God's land, that it's, it's sacred to him. And the Bible says, He that keeps Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. But then it says that he's given it as a covenant, part of the covenant, to the descendants of Abraham, and um, and that's what any evangelical understands, and what any Jew who follows the Bible understands is it's sacred ground, sacred ground. But understand, gentlemen, that many Jews today are are just sort of irreligious, and, and I I'll be blunt, liberalism is their faith. Yeah, Ray, what do you think? Uh, you uh, you subscribe to? Uh... Bible. <laughs> yeah, I knew that. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. You really asked me, do I believe what the Bible says? First of all, everything Jan just said is 100% right. The Bible makes certain promises to the nation of Israel. Those promises are thousands of years old. And the whole point of the Bible making, the Bible repeating those promises is that they come from a God who does not lie and does not change his mind. So I believe the promises made by God to Abraham and ultimately to his descendants coming down to the Jewish people today. Those promises have been kept, will be kept. And in the future, we will see the ultimate fulfillment in the days to come events surrounding the second coming of Christ. So yes, I agree with everything Jan said, because it's coming right from the Bible. Fred. Yeah. Jan just wanted to get your comment on a couple of things. Obviously, uh, as, uh, we sit here this morning on this program, uh, Israel is still defending itself. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about just a few moments ago, President Biden yesterday, early morning phone call to Prime Minister Netanyahu's, and Biden said, I, I, I want a significant de-escalation. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and, and Prime Minister Netanyahu says, you know, we love America, we appreciate America's support, but we have to take, biz- uh, take care of business right. with these Hamas terrorists. I, I thought it was so arrogant of our president to believe that he could dictate to the prime minister of Israel military strategy? Yeah, um, it, it's incomprehensible. I think almost everything out of Washington is. But but let me just say this. Israel's in a, a do-or-die position. Not that God's going to abandon her. He's not going to. But if, if, if Israel can't do away with uh, these Hamas terrorists, and neutralize them. And by the way, they're doing an amazing job of it. 
because they're destroying the terror tunnels, 60 miles now of terror tunnels destroyed. Just imagine that, 60 miles, not just a few yards, it's a lot of territory, 60 miles of terror tunnels destroyed, and that's where these guys operate out of. And and Benjamin Netanyahu, and he's trying, he's trying to maintain the prime ministership over there, and if he can pull this war off as a, a stunning victory, he he might be able to keep his uh, position as prime minister. If not, I don't know. I think he may be history, which would be a tragedy. So he's going to do what he has to do to um, preserve it, preserve the safety of her, his citizens. But here's the wild card, and, and then I'll stop here. But the wild card is, is Hezbollah going to answer this? And in a sense, it already has, but I mean really enter with rockets literally firing down in the northern cities of Israel, because then we could have a wider war. Then we could even see a biblical war. That would be um, Isaiah 17, where Damascus gets hit, and we could even see Ezekiel 38-39, Gog-Magog. Now, we don't know that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. That might even be during the tribulation. All I'm saying is these things are probably setting the stage for some biblical wars that probably are down the future. But again, keep your eye on northern Israel, if Hezbollah enters, Hezbollah will make uh, Hamas look like a, a, a Sunday school picnic, because Hezbollah is, uh, well, they're determined to annihilate Israel uh, with hundreds of thousands of rockets. And so this is what Benjamin Netanyahu is facing, and he doesn't want to hear from from Mr. Biden at this point in time. And isn't it a tragedy that we don't have President Trump, who would be standing with Israel uh, tall and strong at this time? Yeah. I have one other question related to this, uh, Chan. Earlier in the hour, <clears throat> Ray had mentioned Iran, the Iranian connection here. We all, yeah. it's pretty well established that Iran is the puppet master behind this. Right, right. Here's my question. I've asked this before in previous programs, uh, but it's been a long time. When we talk about anti-Semitism, that is uh, hatred for the Jewish people, uh, just because, just because I don't question mark. Here's what I want to ask: um, Iran is a thousand miles or more mm-hmm. from Israel, so they don't border. The Iranians are Persians, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're not Arabs, so they don't have a. A historical conflict uh, in the middle in that part of the Middle East, like Egypt might, or the Jordanians, or the Syrians, or that kind of thing. So, what is the obsession with Iran? It it, it would it would be like uh, I don't know, like Argentina just being obsessed <laughs> with America every day and issuing death to America, and you're going right. like, what the. What in the world? Why, 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 why does Iran care about Israel? Why don't they just move on with their? They just yeah. seem. Go ahead, talk about that if you would. Well, I mean, that's it's, that's a very justified question. Um, I, obviously, Iran wants to be the policeman of the Middle East, wants total control of the Middle East. Um, of course, so does Russia, but uh, and so does Turkey. Um, and these these nations are going to unite someday in the Ezekiel thirty eight thirty nine alliance war against 
is real. I think, Tim, maybe the root of it is almost demonic. I mean, Okay, that's what I'm getting at here. There yeah. seems to be no other explanation it's demonic. than just it's demonic. It's a wanting to wipe the Jews off the yeah, face of the exactly. earth. Exactly, exactly. Uh, because they, the, Israel poses no real threat to Iran. Uh, anyway, um, uh, Ray, you want to comment you know, on that? Well, I, <laughs> I I want to hear Jan's comment okay, that, uh, the, okay. in, in just a second. But I, I think the great point here is that this is demonic. The, the hatred of the Jewish people is demonic yeah. in nature. It's stirred up by Satan himself. So anyway, Jan, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I think that is, if we had to sum it down to one word, it'd probably be demonic. But here's the thing that I'm concerned about, is one morning we're going to wake up to a headline that says Israel has obliterated at least parts of Iran's nuclear capability. She has to. She has to, again, for survival. She's got to take out some of those nuclear reactors. She may not be able to get to all of them, uh, but some of the major ones, and, and, and that will be a not only will it be a startling headline, um, but it will set the entire world at odds against Israel. Israel will have done the world a favor, but the entire world will come against her for this. In, I'm going to call it an invasion. It's an act of preservation yeah. on Israel's part. Because if she doesn't, they're going to try to dump nuclear weapons on her. Now, yeah. but again, maybe all of this is in the tribulation. We don't know. It's just there are uh, troubling days going on now, but what's ahead, I think, is far, far worse. Everything you've just talked about could happen. Yes. And, yes. It, yes. I mean, it's 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 plausible. You could see it playing out the, just the way Jan has described it. Thank, Jan, uh, look yep. forward to your show this weekend. Thank you so much for being on with us. Thank you. I have Michelle Bachman this weekend. Weekend, so I encourage folks to tune in. And that's noon Central Time on Sunday, and it's one o'clock. Get one on Saturday. On Saturday. One, one o'clock on Saturday afternoon, Central Time. Join Jan and her guest, um, uh, Michelle, former Congresswoman Michelle Bachman, this weekend. They've always got some great information to share and analysis. Thank you, Jan. Thank have you a great so day. All right, bye. Jan Markell joining there. Um, I want to I continue this conversation with Brother Alex McFarland. Alex joins us Thursdays, like Jan Markell does. Uh, Alex, how you doing? Alex, he gets this attitude. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Where he just, Alex, are you there? What did I do? Uh, we we, we I, just have some sort of uh, of a glitch. Oh, okay. we'll, we'll reconnect. I just thought it was something I said. No. Because <laughs> he gives you the silent treatment. You ever got it from Alex? No, I, I really haven't. In fact, yeah. it just the opposite. I, I oh. can't. I can't get Alex to shut up. <laughs> That's a good thing because he's on radio a lot. Uh, no, no, Alex we're just, is we're great. just teasing. Like uh, Jan Markell, Alex these is are a great brother. Fountains I, of knowledge and information. I, I want to ask. I want to ask him something related to what we were talking to Jan about. Um, it's it is uh, it, it is fascinating. Well, our uh, Brent Creeley, our uh, producer, is trying to get Alex back on. Um, it is fascinating that, you know, I, I, I've said on the show before, I like history. I'm not a historian, but I like history. And I don't recall there being another people in all of human history who have been driven out of their land two or three times. The last time, 2,000 years ago when in 70 AD when the Romans 
destroyed the city and, and the temple and uh, yet ha- have continued to exist yes. as a separate entity and then brought back to their homeland and reestablished themselves like like the Jews. I mean, that's yeah. just, they're a historic anomaly because God Almighty decided he was going to pick these people and show himself. They are the only nation in history to be reestablished after being destroyed. Yeah. No other nation. This has never happened before. In 1948, when Israel came back, established as a nation, that has never happened before. A nation destroyed and then comes back and reforms again. Yep. I want to talk about that further. Alex is with us. Alex, you there? Yes, I'm I'm here. I, I'm sorry I was on a minute ago, but for some reason you guys couldn't hear me. Well, we can hear you now. Amen. Uh, uh, Good morning. I want to I want to ask um, so many directions we could go here: Bible prophecy, uh, history. Um, but I want to ask uh, Alex. I want to ask you this: um, related to we're talking about Israel and the Jewish people and so forth. Um, 1948, Alex. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when. What happened? Because, this would be helpful for people to understand uh, some of the feelings that do exist against <clears throat> the Jews in the land of Israel now. I'm not saying they're justified. I'm not, obviously, I'm not saying in any way as kind of terrorism or anti-Semitism justified, but I'm saying that what the, what the, uh, people will argue is that the, there, there were, there were those who are pro-Palestinian, I should say over Israel would say, Alex, that the, there's these Arab people also known as Palestinians, mm-hmm. because that's what they call that part of the world there living there before it was a Jewish state. It was a uh, well, uh, British control. Wasn't it a British? Well, okay. Yeah, Alex. since 1917. Okay. Uh, so for, okay, yeah. 1917, it was controlled by the British. That part of the world was British mandate, or what was it? Well, called? It, it was controlled by the Ottoman Turks until after World War One, and until the, after World War One. Until after World War One, the Turks joined uh, the. Uh, it wasn't the Axis. I, I forget the Central Powers against mm-hmm. the allies and they lost and so the ottoman empire was carved up by the british and the french and alex is is right in 1917 the balfour declaration was uh w- was given by the british saying the jews have a right to return to their homeland when was this that was 1917 the balfour declaration but it was controlled by the Ottoman Turks until after World War One, and then it was divided up. And Palestine was the name given to that region we now know as Israel because that was what the Roman Empire called it as an insult to the Jews. They named it that. It goes all the way. That name goes all the way back to, to the Roman Empire. Yeah. The Roman Empire. So from 17 to 48, who controlled it? The British. The British, like, the British, like Alex said. Okay, Alex, take it from there because— Well, I mean, after, I'm sorry. After World War One, the British controlled it. Okay, so in 48, uh, what happened, Alex, Which and, and how would you describe it? Uh, how would you describe it in terms of 
Was it a miracle? Well, it, it, it really was a miracle because World War One, the Brits were able to survive World War One thanks to a Jewish chemist named Keim Weizmann, who helped them make ammunition. He synthesized acetone. What's interesting, uh, Lord Arthur Balfour and Churchill went to Keim Weizmann, and Parliament was going to officially thank him, a Jew, for helping Britain uh, prevail in World War One, and Weizmann and Ben Gurion, who would later become the first Prime Minister of Israel. If you ever fly into Israel, you go into Ben Gurion Airport. Weizmann and Ben Gurion said to Churchill and Balfour, "We want uh, a Jewish state." And Churchill said, "Well, we have five million acres in Uganda that we'll give to you." And they said, "No, it has to be Israel." And so, because of uh, Balfour and Churchill, uh, they prevailed on Harry Truman. Now, keep in mind, Balfour was a Plymouth Brethren, evangelical Christian. Churchill, uh, I, I honestly believe Churchill was a believer. Um, Harry Truman absolutely was a believer. This was a God thing, but listen to this. This is really amazing, that the president of Syria, whose name was Nadir, wrote a letter. You can see it online. Now, a Syrian writes to Kaim Weizmann and Ben-Gurion and says, we, the sons of Ishmael, welcome our brothers, the sons of Isaac, back to their homeland. We rejoice with you in the reemergence of the Jewish state. Now, within a couple of years, he was dead by poisoning. But initially, the animus between the Syrians predominantly Muslim, and the Jews was not there. But um, guys, I was talking to a college student over the weekend who claims to be an atheist. He was a former Christian. He said, give me one reason to believe that the Bible is of divine origin. Mm. I said, I'll give you one word, Israel. Mm. It is a miracle. 1,900 years of non-existence they came back into existence. If you want to watch the tide of history, keep your eye on Israel. But if you want a an undeniable, undeniable empirical proof that God's word is true. The nation of Israel. That gives that gives me chills, man. Amen. Amen. Yeah, because it, it, uh, Ray, go ahead, Ray. Your thoughts on this? It's a hundred percent right. I, I think if you listen to what Alex said, just laid out so carefully, how can anybody deny the fingerprints of God? Fred, you pointed out earlier. Here's a nation that had been destroyed and scattered, gone out of existence. How does a nation, Fred, come back 2,000 years later? Unless, as Alex said, it's by the direct hand of Almighty God. And and, uh, in only 70 years, Israel has become such a powerhouse. I mean, everybody who ever was introduced to the Internet by AOL, well, that software for America Online was written in Jerusalem. Uh, More entrepreneurial first-generation millionaires, more museums than any other major city, a 1.2-mile subway system in Jerusalem. In, just think about this, guys. In 73 years from non-existence to a superpower, and I've got a friend who's an Air Force colonel, and he has told me repeatedly, he said, Israel has the best intel in the world, the best military intelligence. Our longest friend, the only stable democracy in the Middle East, the best favor any American president could ever do for this nation is to be a friend to Israel. Well, and Alex, uh, you know, my opinion, 
and probably the opinion of many other people, the first war that that nascent state of Israel fought in 1948, immediately after the United Nations declared Israel to be a, uh, a recognized state, they were attacked by Muslims, and the, the fact that they survived that war was a miracle because they just a bunch of bunch of farmers and and uh, and uh, citizens they didn't have a, a real army they barely had weapons just the yeah. fact that they survived that first war was a miracle as well exactly and in 67 also uh, it was a miracle that Israel was uh, unprovoked Israel was attacked predominantly by a coalition of three Muslim nations although there were mm. eight or ten others in the background. And uh, six days later, Israel had tripled their land holding. Um, the Muslim invaders had suffered almost like a hundred times more casualties than Israel. I mean, their reemergence, their sustenance preservation is a miracle of God. And Genesis 12 is right. God will bless them that bless thee. The, these nations that square off against Israel do so at their own peril. Because you're fighting God. What happened to... Uh, how was how the end of World War II important to the birth of modern-day Israel, Alex? Uh, well, you know, I, I think for one thing, there was a sentiment worldwide to see that a despotism like was exhibited by Hitler and Hirohito would never happen again. And I think um, because of their view of human life and their moral code, I think the United States and some clear-thinking heads in the U.N. at that time realized it was in the world's best interest to support Israel. Well, and there was there was some sympathy, too, around the world for the Jews because six of, million of them had been slaughtered by exactly. Hitler. So they were exactly. asking that, that, that a Jewish state, not just another country, but right. an explicitly Jewish state was created— was it the League of Nations or the UN at the time? I don't know. It was the UN. The UN, okay. By the United Nations uh, at the time. I didn't know about that Syrian. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's the first it, I'd ever heard of that either. It, wow. it wouldn't well. have happened without Churchill and Truman. Yeah. Hey, uh, Alex, look forward to hearing you and Bert this afternoon on Exploring the Word. Thank you, brother. God bless you all. That's uh, Brother Alex McFarland. We shall return with more of today's issues in five minutes. Stay with us. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.